In the humid dawn hours of September 7, 1695, the Indian Ocean was covered in misty fog. The sea was calm, but visibility was no more than a few hundred feet in either direction. And yet, Captain Henry Every knew that an Indian treasure fleet was out there. Every had four pirate ships under his command. He knew a straggling merchant ship would be no match for them, so long as they actually found it. And if Every's calculations were correct, the vessel should be appearing at any moment. Minutes later, Every was proven right. The dark silhouette of the Indian merchant ship emerged from the fog. It was small, with only six guns. Every's ship had 46 guns, so he gave the order to fire. The broadside cannon fire shredded the merchant ship's sails and blasted apart the wooden hull. The damage from just one volley was enough to terrify the captain, who then ordered his men to fire. Unfortunately for him, all these shots missed the fancy, and the captain soon raised the flag of surrender before Every could fire again. Every and his pirate crew took command of the merchant ship and burst open the cargo hold. They found gold and silver worth over $5 million today. In just a few minutes, they had more wealth than they ever could have imagined. But then, one of the lookouts shouted from the deck. There was another ship emerging from the fog. A massive treasure galleon, four times larger than the one Every had just captured. The flagship of the treasure fleet. Every had a decision to make. He could keep the smaller prize he had in hand and let the biggest ship in the Indian Ocean sail away. Or he could go after it and perhaps become the most successful pirate in history. One choice seemed prudent. The other seemed like destiny. For Captain Every, who had always dreamt of riches and adventure, it was hardly a decision at all. He gave the command to raise the black flag and give chase, and in doing so, made himself the number one enemy of the British Empire. Welcome to Dictators, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Richard. And I'm Kate. You can find all episodes of Dictators and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This season of Dictators, we're sailing across the ocean and looking at the tyrant captains and dictatorial democracies that flourished in the golden age of piracy. Today, we'll finish the epic story of the man England called an arch-pirate, Captain Henry Every. Last week, we learned how Every became a privateer after a 20-year career as a Royal Navy officer. Then, after deciding to seek his destiny on his own terms, Every led a mutiny and became a pirate captain. This week, we'll discover how a mix of tenacity and luck brought Every success in the Indian Ocean and made him a global fugitive. And finally, we'll investigate his mysterious end and how Every's legend inspired a generation of pirate captains. We'll have all that and more coming up.
This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. By 1695, 36-year-old Henry Every was one of the most accomplished pirate captains on the high seas. On his ship, The Fancy, Every led 150 men, all former privateers and merchant sailors. It was one of the largest pirate crews in the Indian Ocean. The crew's willingness to follow Every to the far side of the world was largely thanks to the captain's charisma, intelligence, and experience. He'd served as an officer in England's Royal Navy for around 20 years, giving him deep knowledge of sailing and navigation. More importantly, Every delivered on his promises. The life of a sailor was hard, and when Every promised his men a better life, he came through. After leading a successful mutiny in 1694, he swore to make them rich beyond their wildest imagination, and within a year, they were. Every became so successful that he convinced several other pirate captains to join forces with him. Together, their massive fleet could take on anyone, and Every was at the helm. The timing for Every's consolidation of power was perfect. Throughout the mid-1690s, trade in the Indian Ocean was booming. And from his headquarters in Madagascar, the island off the coast of Southeast Africa, Every was now primed to take whatever he wanted, when he wanted. There were two main types of convoys sailing the Indian Ocean. The first were Muslim pilgrims sailing from India to modern-day Saudi Arabia to visit Mecca. They often traveled with an abundance of supplies and holy treasures. The other type were the spice and silk shipments of the East India Trading Company. The company was England's representative in India and controlled most of the commerce from that side of the world, which made more money than any pirate could imagine. But there was a caveat to the riches. The company's trade in India relied on the goodwill of the Mughal Empire's Muslim monarch, the Grand Mughal. The Grand Mughal expected the company to provide security for the ships in the Indian Ocean, whether their cargo was pilgrims or products. Anytime a ship was attacked by pirates, it was bad for business, which made Captain Henry Every a serious liability to the company, India, and England. 
when he chose to pursue the second Indian treasure ship on that foggy day in 1695, he knew he was likely kicking a hornet's nest. What he didn't realize, though, was that this single ship could potentially bring down the entire East India Trading Company. The massive treasure galleon was called the Gunsway, and on September 11, 1695, it was the most formidable target in the entire Indian Ocean. The Gunsway had 80 cannons lining the decks with over a thousand crew members. Taking it down wasn't going to be easy. Every's ship, the Fancy, had a little over half the number of guns and less than 20% of the manpower. Plus, Every would be taking on the Gunsway alone. The other ships in his pirate fleet had fallen behind during the chase. But aboard the Fancy, he had the full support of his crew. When it came to combat, Every's command was beyond question. He wasn't a tyrant, but he dictated orders without hesitation, and his men obeyed. The punishment for insubordination on pirate ships was often left to the captain's discretion. At best, a disloyal pirate would lose his share of the loot or food rations. But at worst, he could be marooned on a deserted island. Henry Every expertly balanced his men's respect for him and their fear of reprisal to keep control, especially during dangerous moments like this. As the fancy pulled within cannon range of the gunsway, Every had one last chance to call off his attack. If he came any closer, a fight was inevitable. The Indian captain on the gunsway would likely open fire. But Henry Every refused to let this moment pass. He spent years of his life training to command a ship into battle. He firmly believed that the only difference between destiny and failure was the courage to take action. So as the two ships closed the distance, Every gave the order to fire. Unfortunately, the enemy captain on the gunsway had given the order first. A cannon shot erupted from the gunsway, but for some reason it didn't tear into the side of the fancy. At first, it was hard to tell what happened. But as the smoke and splinters cleared, Every saw that destiny was on his side. One of the cannons on the gunsway had misfired. A huge explosion tore through the gunsway's decks, killing at least four men instantly and injuring others. At that moment, Every's cannons spat fire. Cannonballs blasted into the side of the gunsway. If Every's crew had ever doubted that fortune favored the bold, those first shots put it to rest. A sharp crack of wood echoed over the water as the main mast of the gunsway splintered and collapsed. One of the fancy's cannonballs had struck the mast dead on. It was a miraculous shot. The beam of the gunsway's mast was only two feet wide, a tiny target on a ship that was over 200 feet long. The chances of a direct hit were one in a hundred or less. Beyond the blind luck of a direct hit to the mainmast, the chance of a cannon exploding was rare. The fact that these two events happened almost simultaneously even amazed Every himself. As Every gazed upon the destruction, he had no idea that what happened next would make him the most infamous pirate alive. 
The Gunsway was dead in the water. It couldn't escape or fight back. Every and his men quickly boarded the ship and discovered exactly what they had captured. Below deck were countless barrels and boxes of silks, spices, gold, and jewels, all said to be worth around $20 million in today's currency. And yet, as they went further into the bowels of the ship, they discovered something even more valuable. The Gunsway carried pilgrims returning from Mecca. But not just any pilgrims. One of the travelers was a wealthy daughter of the Grand Mughal's family. This wasn't just a massive treasure ship. It was a royal entourage. As the gravity of the situation sank in, trouble was already brewing. Every wasn't the only one captivated by the sight of the royal daughter. So was the rest of his crew. And Every, despite all the power he wielded, couldn't hold his men back from doing the unthinkable. Coming up, the vicious crimes committed on the Gunsway test the limits of Captain Every's control. Hi, it's Vanessa from Parcast Network, and I'm thrilled to tell you that this month marks a huge milestone for us. It's the four-year anniversary of a podcast I host called Serial Killers. If you haven't had a chance to dive into the stories and psychology behind the most nightmarish murderers of all time, why wait? There's no better time than right now to start listening. Each week, we enter the minds, the methods, and the madness of the world's most sadistic serial killers. From the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, and the co-ed killer, Edmund Kemper, to Eileen Warnos, Ed Gein, and coming soon, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. And this February, look out for our four-part special on couples who kill, following the worst love has to offer. Their names may sound ordinary, but their atrocities are anything but. You do not want to miss it. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. New episodes air every Monday and Thursday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. The morning of September 12, 1695 should have been a joyous occasion. 36-year-old Captain Henry Every and his crew of 150 had just seized the largest prize of their careers, the Gunsway. But instead of basking in their glory, Every's crew was running amok. They had discovered that the Gunsway was carrying a daughter of the Grand Mughal, the Muslim ruler of the Mughal Empire, whose territories included modern-day India. And soon, 
Every found himself unable to stop his crew from committing rape and murder. There are conflicting narratives about what happened in the days following the capture of the Gunsway. Contemporary English newspapers said that Every behaved with chivalry as he seized the cargo, took the Muslim princess as his wife, and left the rest of the passengers to continue their journey home. However, the Indian historian and emissary Kafi Khan, who was living in a nearby port when Every captured the Gunsway, painted a much grimmer picture. According to Khan, Every's crew spent several days raping the women of the Gunsway. Several women threw themselves overboard or stabbed themselves to avoid the horror. And although Every didn't partake in the atrocities, he allegedly stayed aboard the Fancy, he also made no attempt to stop them. Unfortunately, having a democratic foundation to a pirate crew meant that after a battle, the captain could only do so much to restrain his men. Afraid of being deposed if he acted too strongly, Every chose to let his men brutalize their prisoners without interference. After Every's crew had unloaded the riches from the Gunsway, they let the ship and survivors continue their journey to India. Historians debate why they let their victims go, since they were sure to report that the infamous pirate Henry Every had attacked them. It was a common tactic among pirates to spread legends of their cruelty, as it made future targets surrender more quickly. And while these legends were bound to stir up anger, Every likely thought that if they sank the ship with no survivors, India would declare an all-out war on him personally. Without a mainmast, it would take a few days for the Gunsway to make port. That gave Every time to escape before the backlash came. But Every planned to do more than just escape. After taking such an enormous prize and such a dangerous gamble, Every was considering another proposition. Retirement. There were good reasons for him to give up the pirate life now. Every's crew was richer than any other in history. After the loot from the Gunsway was divided, most of the crew had about two decades' worth of wages in his pocket. Few pirates lived long enough to spend such riches, much less retire into anonymity. If Every was going to have a chance to do either, he needed to disappear while he still could. His plan was simple. Abandon the Indian Ocean and head for another sea where pirates thrived, the Caribbean. Despite having just formed his pirate armada, he decided he would only take the fancy with him. Some of Every's crew protested the plan, wanting instead to go to South America rather than the Caribbean. But for the most part, the crew agreed to follow their leader. And before long, the fancy set course for the port of Nassau, where Henry Every sought a new destiny. For Every, heading to the Caribbean as a pirate felt like he'd come full circle. While his privateering career hadn't even had a chance to begin, he found himself completing the journey he'd signed up for just three years previously. Only this time, he had his own ship and a fortune. And when Every arrived in Nassau in the spring of 1696, he planned to use both to his advantage. 
Nassau is located on New Providence Island in the Bahamas and was under English control at the time. Its valuable position at the northeast edge of the Caribbean Sea made it a target for all of the European colonial powers. But it was also a prime stop for privateers and buccaneers alike who plundered the lucrative trade routes nearby. To protect the docks, the harbor had a stone fort guarding the entrance to the bay. However, even with the booming trade of pirated goods, Nassau was far from a thriving town. Only a few dozen houses were clustered around the waterfront, and by the spring of 1696, there were around 70 residents still living there. To make matters worse, Nassau had no warships to protect it. The British Royal Navy didn't have enough manpower to cover the entire empire, so small island colonies like Nassau were the first to be left unprotected. This made the colonial governor, Nicholas Trott, desperate for help. In late March, Trott received word that the French had captured an island only 140 miles away. This meant they were close enough to attack Nassau within days. Trott needed men and firepower, and he had neither. But on the afternoon of April 1st, 1696, salvation arrived. Just before sunset, a small boat arrived in the Nassau Harbor carrying several strange passengers. The men were dressed in gorgeous, colorful silks, but looked like they hadn't eaten or bathed in weeks. Once on land, the group's leader asked to see the governor. He had a letter for him. The note was from a Captain Henry Bridgman on a ship called the Fancy. Captain Bridgman claimed his ship was anchored just offshore, and he had a proposal that would alter the balance of power in NASA. Of course, Bridgman was actually Henry Every. His proposal was simple. If Trot allowed the fancy into Nassau Harbor and let the crew disembark in peace, he would be handsomely rewarded. He offered to give Trot just about three years' worth of his current wages as governor and their ship. Every was about to do something that few pirate captains ever chose to do willingly. He was going to step down from power. The night before they arrived at New Providence Island, Every told his crew he was finished with piracy, getting out of the game. After they made port in Nassau, he planned to quietly return to England and disappear into a life of comfort. The crew was stunned. Their captain was abandoning them just at the peak of their careers. But Every laid out his case clearly, and for one last time, asked his men to trust his judgment. He told them to give up the fancy, pay the governor a small portion of their ill-gotten wealth, and then disappear. Nobody would have to know about their vicious crimes on the far side of the world, and they would have fresh identities in Nassau. It was a chance to start a new life with new identities. If they wanted to continue a life as pirates, there was no better place to start than the Caribbean. After all, over half of Every's crew came from the ill-fated privateering expedition that had set out to pillage the surrounding waters. But Every also encouraged his men to consider joining him in retirement. With the staggering wealth they'd made, the men could return to England or make a home in the American colonies. 
they could do something few pirates ever did live to enjoy their spoils. As always, the charismatic captain left it to his crew to decide, and as always, they voted to follow his plan. He'd never led them astray before. With his men fully behind him, Every wrote the letter to Governor Trot with a falsified story about his past and his very real hopes for the future. For Trot, the proposal was irresistible. In one fell swoop, he would make a small fortune and gain a vessel to protect the harbor. He accepted Every's terms that same day. Shortly after, the fancy sailed into Nassau. It was the last time the legendary pirate ship ever dropped anchor. A few hours later, Trot met with Henry Every personally, and the captain handed over his ship. Later, Trot was asked why he didn't question the mysterious captain's story about the armed ship laden with treasure. It seemed obvious that the captain of the fancy was a pirate. But the corrupt governor simply said, supposition is not proof. Every knew the line between privateer and pirate was simply a matter of flags. A crime that might be called piracy at sea was simply called good governance on land. As soon as he handed over the fancy, Henry Every was no longer a pirate captain. He was merely a wealthy Englishman at the end of a long career at sea. All he had to do now was get back to England before the East India Trading Company caught up with him. Because by now, they were fully aware of Every's attack against the Gunsway, and they wanted nothing more than to see him swinging from a gallows pole. Coming up, Every makes his escape and inspires a new generation of pirates. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Now back to the story. In the late summer of 1696, 37-year-old Henry Every had one last stroke of luck. After a horrific crime spree the year before, he'd escaped the Indian Ocean with his ship, his crew, and his loot intact. As he rested in Nassau, he knew it was only a matter of time before his enemies recognized him. 
His bribe to Governor Trott had bought him safety in the Bahamas, but Every had no desire to spend the rest of his life or his fortune in the island colony. He wanted to return to England and disappear in total anonymity before the East Indian Trading Company caught up with him. At the behest of the East India Trading Company and the Grand Mughal, the British Parliament formally declared Henry Every an enemy of all mankind. A reward of nearly 50,000 modern dollars was offered for his capture, as well as smaller bounties for his crew. The declaration was sent to all Royal Navy and East India Trading Company captains, as well as all law enforcement officials in Britain. Unfortunately, the bounty and proclamation weren't issued until July 17, 1696, ten months after the Gunsway tragedy. Once again, Every's firm decision-making blended with a bit of luck to bring him success. His choice to leave the Indian Ocean immediately after the attack gave him a massive head start. Authorities had no idea where Every was now. Some surmised he was in Madagascar, while others said he was still trolling the Indian Ocean. Little did they know that by summer of 1696, Every was already back in England. But how he got there is a matter of some debate for centuries. Historian Stephen Johnson paints the clearest picture of Every and his crew's fates. According to Johnson, Every's crew divided themselves into four groups in the two months following their arrival in Nassau. The first group was only a handful of men, and they were content to stay in Nassau forever. The next three groups were eager to get off the island as soon as possible. One group of 23 pirates bought a boat and headed straight back to England and their loved ones. Another 50 made their way north to the American colonies, where piracy was beginning to flourish. Meanwhile, the final group stuck with Every. These 20 men still considered him their captain. In June 1696, Every and his remaining men set out across the Atlantic toward Ireland. By the end of the month, they landed their boat about 100 miles northwest from the busy port of Belfast. After paying a local customs official to look the other way, the group made their way inland. Just six miles down the road from the coast, Every bid his men farewell. According to one of his crewmen, Every said he was going to head out on his own and he hoped to go to Exeter, which wasn't very far from his hometown near Plymouth. It was the last thing his crew ever heard him say. And just like that, Henry Every walked off into history. Nobody knows what became of the legendary pirate captain after that midsummer afternoon in Ireland. He had done what he set out to do, disappear into anonymity. Some have speculated that Every did in fact go to Exeter. In his seminal book, A General History of the Pirates, Captain Charles Johnson said that Every tried to start several small business ventures, but was duped by shady business partners and went bankrupt before dying shortly after. This story hardly seems fitting for the pirate captain whose instinctive decisions led him halfway around the world. There's reason to doubt Captain Johnson's conclusion, because pirate stories at the time were often complete fabrications. After all, there was a lot of money to be made with fantastical novels and tabloid stories about piracy. 
In the absence of stories about Every's continued success in England, it was just as easy to make up a story about his decline into poverty and subsequent death. But in the years following Every's disappearance, other stories emerged that continued his legend as a hero. Rumors circulated of a pirate kingdom on Madagascar run by Every himself, and some claimed he was still in Nassau the whole time. Much of the reason for these continuing rumors was the $50,000 bounty that was still on Every's head. It was enough money to tempt even the most loyal of Every's sailors. In fact, the most concrete information about Every's final years came from one of the crewmen who was caught. John Dan had been on Every's crew since the mutiny in Spain and still had plenty of loot to spare. He was a suspicious type and kept his money close, sewing coins and jewels into the lining of his coat. Unfortunately, in the month after Every landed in Ireland, a nosy maid searched through Dan's coat while he was taking a bath. The coins brought questions, and Dan was arrested. When Dan went to trial, he told a detailed story about Henry Every's whereabouts. Dan claimed that just a few weeks after returning to England, he ran into a familiar woman at the train station in London. She was a resident of Nassau who had married one of the crewmen of the fancy. The woman said that she and her husband were seeing Captain Every that very day. This implied that Every had retired close by, somewhere in or near London. Dan had no reason to lie, and it is generally believed that he was telling the truth. Henry Every was alive and well. Which was more than could be said for the members of his crew who were captured. Those who were unable to disappear were hung at London's execution dock. Their fates were the only ones recorded of any of the men who followed Every into legend. While the last years of Henry Every's life are shrouded in mystery, there is one certainty. His myth long outlived him. The tabloid stories, pulp adventure books, and alleged memoirs all spread the legend of the ruthless but heroic Captain Every. His infamy may have even eclipsed that of his icon, Henry Morgan. Like Morgan's, Every's story was a dream of so many merchant sailors and privateers. He had grown up poor, gone to sea to seek his fortune, and found it. He returned home and lived out the rest of his days in wealth and peace. It was an example every sailor wanted to follow. All it took was charisma, experience, a hefty dose of luck, and a bit of piracy. But most of all, Henry Every had the courage to take his destiny into his own hands and make his own fortune. Thanks for listening to Dictators. We'll be back next week with the infamous life and piracy of Edward Teach, also known as Blackbeard. Among the many sources we used, we found The Enemy of All Mankind by Stephen Johnson and The Republic of Pirates by Colin Woodard extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Dictators and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. 
We'll see you next time. Dictators is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Dictators was written by Andrew Messer, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Chelsea Wood. Dictators stars Kate Leonard and Richard Rossner. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa again. Before you go, don't forget to check out the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. Each week, join me and my co-host Greg for a deep dive into the minds and madness of history's most notorious murderers. You can binge hundreds of episodes, four years worth, and catch new episodes every Monday and Thursday. Listen to Serial Killers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.